hey, does anyone want to learn French with me? Because I've decided in 2024 that I want to learn French. And thankfully, I have Rosetta Stone. So you better hop on it so we can learn French together. Rosetta Stone has the amazing true accent feature, which is so helpful, especially in French. You get feedback on how well you're actually pronouncing words. Plus, they have 25 languages to choose from. So if you're not going to learn French with me, I'm sure you can find some other people who will learn a language with you. But I'm on the French team this year. Come on, folks, join me. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, and that's why we drink listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com drink. That's rosettastone.com drink. Are you the type of person who loves to treat yourself? You know, sometimes you just want to buy yourself a coffee, a fancy coffee. Sometimes you want to get a little extra legroom on the plane. You know what I mean? So if you ever treat yourself to the top options, other places like that, then why are we settling when we're finding a doctor? I know it's easy to fall into that rut, but your health is so important. Enter ZocDoc. ZocDoc is a place where you can find and book tens of thousands of top tier doctors, all with verified patient reviews. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. There's no more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. You know we hate that. And these doctors all have verified reviews from actual real patients. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, which is so helpful. You can see who's located near you and who's available and who can treat basically any condition you're searching for. Plus, a typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 to 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. When I moved to LA years ago, I discovered ZocDoc because I was so tired of having to call all these different offices and wait. It took hours sometimes to figure out which doctor in town could help me and which one took my insurance, but not anymore with ZocDoc. I was able to find everything from a psychiatrist to a GI doctor, and I did that all through ZocDoc. And the app has only gotten better over time. I still use it. I still love it. I always recommend it to people, whether you have phone anxiety like me or not. It couldn't get easier to find a doctor with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash drink and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash drink. ZocDoc dot com slash drink. Okay. also want to scoot away from the green screen because I'm like hitting it. Go me too? I think you're okay. It's just my, my dumb head. Your big dumb head. I know. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to our show. Welcome to our show. It is a podcast. Oh, dear. Okay, well, it's a it's not a great one. It is a squeaky one. How are you? I feel like I've seen you a whole lot lately. Are you doing good? Me? Yeah. Oh, you're looking at the camera. I thought you were talking to, like, the blues How are blues. you, folks? Um, I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. Um, we just had our Texas leg. It was bananas. Texas is fun, y'all. I had a blast, uh, especially in Austin. We got in a day early, so I got to go do some fun things. Oh, you got some BBQ? I did. I also went, I did like the Museum of Weird and things like that. Yeah. So it was fun. Um, even I went thrifting and bought a record player. Like we really did the, the Austin, th- bought, ate tacos. Um, we had a blast. Uh, Texas was a riot. It was one of our longest tours of the tour, longest legs of the tour. <laughs> So yeah, but it was fun though. It was really fun, and we got to stay in some really cool hotels and Airbnbs. Thank you to uh, Christine for that. Yeah, they well, were interesting. There was one where interesting. Yes, <laughs> I some of them we couldn't even get into. We spent a half an hour. Uh-huh. We were locked out of our own yeah. place. My bad. But 
It was very fun. It was I had very a good fun. time. And uh, next up, we are going to Sacramento and, and San, San Francisco. Francisco. And the San Francisco show is not sold out, and it's at a really cool venue. So please come. Okay, for the people who have now come to our Texas show, you now know what we were talking about last week. To the people who had come uh-huh. to our other shows, you are now also in the loop of how wonderful the show is. And uh, <laughs> for the people who are on the fence, like, eh, should I go? Yes, go. And You're going to be blown away. People are bringing friends and stuff who don't know the show in there, seem to be at least, unless they're lying to our faces, which is entirely possible, seem to be enjoying it. We have only got, I think we've only gotten 100% great comments about the show. Yeah, well, not until now. Now that you say that, people are gonna um, okay. Don't be the don't be the, don't think you should be the first to say something mean. Who wants to be the one percent? Come on, we still have anxiety. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a pretty darn tootin' great show. Honestly, we're having so much freaking fun. It's so much fun. <laughs> Please come. It's so much Please fun. Please come. If you're if you're unsure if you should, you should. Um, and also, my one of my closest childhood friends is coming to San Francisco show, so I need you to make me look really neat. Oh, yeah, that goes out for everyone in D.C. Apparently half my graduating class is coming. I need them to think I'm cool because I certainly wasn't the last time they saw me. Yes. Um, So moving on. Oh, also, my dad's coming to a show and he's never seen me perform anything. Oh, boy. Here comes dad. I gotta look good. Did he build his thing for the Super Bowl? He did. He he built something. I still am unsure about what it is. (laughs) But he built, he certainly used his hands and and tools and made something happen. That sounds great. Uh, Oh yeah, this was Super Bowl weekend Mm -hmm. recently. Go Chiefs. Okay. I literally didn't even know it was Super Bowl Sunday until half the things were closed. I was like, what is going on? I am just a Chiefs fan by default because my in-laws are from Missouri, from Kansas City, and um, Blaze's mom is a huge Kansas City fan, and uh, so his whole family was rooting for him, so it it was fun. It was fun to root for him. And they won, so yay. (laughs) I didn't even know they won until right now. Great. Good for them. Um, Also, I want to add real quick. uh, Yes, I wrote... Oh. So we made a slight mistake um, in the last episode. I uh, made a slight mistake. And was talking about Jim Belushi being uh, dead. He's not dead. Um, John Belushi is dead, his brother. Yeah. Um, we, to be fair, we knew that going into before we posted the episode. And then everyone on Twitter decided to also let us did know. They? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even see it. Well, I, I'm probably the only one who got tagged because I was the one who was doing sure. it. Sure. Yeah. So I, yeah. So I was like. We have known and we still know. But I'm also not going to go edit and change all the words from Jim to John. I don't so. think that we know how to do that, actually. So sorry about that. And uh, sorry, uh, Jim, that we called you alive. Please don't sue us. I'm sorry, Dad. Please don't sue us. I hope you are having a great a, a great life. Very so. alive, live yes. life. And uh, also the patron of the week is Lacey Brewer. Yay, Lacey. Lacey Brewer. Didn't we? I remember saying that name recently. Uh-oh. Was that last week's? I think so. Because I remember <laughs> us thinking that's a great name. <laughs> Did I give her two? I think so. I think Lacey Brewer gets two. No, the last one was the um, the person from... Uh... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, that sounds Lacey, like really I'm so similar. sorry. God damn it. Well, Lacey gets two. No, okay. Then, I ha- then I'll put the next one. I miss... I miss... I thought Alina, but that was from Finland from the one before that. I see. Okay, so then today's uh, patron of the week is Kato Raid. All right. Kato Raid. Like Gatorade. Like Gatorade. Gatorade. Caterade. Fun fact, my mom was uh, at school, she went to the University of Florida, and she was there when they were still uh, giving out, like, the beta samples of Gatorade to the school. Because Gatorade comes from right. University of Florida, hence Gatorade. But uh, she remembers trying the very first mm. Gatorade before it became big and popular. What flavor was it? I don't know. Probably lemon lime. Well, Caterade, this is for you. Happy 
episode. Happy episode. Sorry that we almost gave it away to someone else. Also, hi, Lacey, again. Also, hi, Lacey. Thanks again for your support. Um, my bad. <laughs> I clearly put them in the wrong order. Sorry about that. It's fine. Uh, and then that's all I have for updates, Em. I don't think I have any updates. All right. Well, that's fun for everyone else, I'm sure. I don't. Yeah, I don't think there's anything to say. Sweet. Uh, Texas was a blast. Please come to our next shows. Okay. Please. If thinking about salsa in a variety of delicious flavors and heat levels makes your mouth water, you need to check out Green Mountain Gringo. And make sure to turn the jar around and take a look at its clean backside, a list of its all-natural ingredients. Of course, that's what I meant, of course. And all their products are preservative-free, too. With the medium salsa, you get hearty chunks of tomatoes, tomatillos, peppers, and onions in every scoop. I'm reading the ad and my mouth is watering. Uh, anyway, the hot salsa brings flavorful heat to every meal with each bite containing jalapenos, serrano peppers, and other savory herbs. Plus, they've got a hot sauce with a tangy, spicy flavor that enhances the simplest of meals. It's perfect for avocado egg toast or tacos. I sort of feel like they're reading my mind because I put salsa on almost everything, but specifically, I use their salsa. I use usually the medium salsa and then uh, also the hot sauce on my avocado egg toast. And I don't know how the script knew that maybe everybody eats this but i always make toast with avocado and then i put scrambled eggs on top and i put salsa i can't eat it without salsa and the green mountain gringo is always there for me in the fridge because it really adds to i mean any meal if you're me but definitely the eggs avocado toast situation visit greenmountaingringo.com and start shopping use the store locator to find green mountain gringo products get inspiration for recipes and purchase products using promo code podcast 24 for 20 percent off that's promo code podcast 24 and don't forget to check out their backside <laughs> this episode is brought to you by progressive where drivers who save by switching save nearly 750 dollars on average plus auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Uh, so my story, I've been uh, holding off for a long time because I thought that I was going to really need to do some intense serious research and it was going to span across several episodes Oh my! because i was gonna get so into the research of it and i think i don't know why at one point i worked it up in my head that it was going to be such a massive story because i just did the research and i was like that's it so this is only one episode okay <laughs> and the research yes took me i did still do like a lot of research on it but as I was going through all my notes and, like, slowly breaking things down, I was like, oh, I'm only going to have enough notes for one episode. It so, wasn't, like, as overwhelming as you thought. Yeah, I don't know where in time I decided it was going to be this massive haul, but I have been wanting to cover for a while. I know you've wanted me to cover for a while. I know our listeners have requested what? it. What? What? So it's the Diet Love Pass. <gasps> yeah. I think that's why maybe I got it so hyped up in my head because everyone's been asking yeah, for it. Yeah, it's it seems like a big one because it's, like, such a popular, famous one, but it's... um. But I, there, yeah, I really wasn't. It was I when I started, I had a lot of notes. So I still thought, oh, this is definitely going to take forever. But a lot of the notes were kind of repetitive. So I'm so I've been waiting for this. <gasps> you know, this is one of the first episodes I ever listened to of any podcast was about the DLF pass. Oh, really? Yeah. I think it was like the first or second podcast episode I ever heard. Well, on Astonishing Legends, to be clear, but I, I so Astonishing Legends has, I wanted to say, has a really good 
podcast on them too. Yay! Um, but I tried to go off of just the notes on Google. And by the way, they actually, I don't, I still don't know if it's Diet Love Pass or Diet Love Pass or it's Diet Love. Diet Love Pass. Okay. Well, uh, DiatLovePass.com has like pretty much all information you need. Like they keep really intense cool. sources and information. So, and also the, I will say the Astonishing Legends one came out years ago. So like, I know there've been updates and things that they've briefly mentioned. So I'm sure there's like updated news. It'd be really awkward if I didn't have those updated news. No, in here. I'm sure you do. <laughs> I'm sure. I don't even remember the episode. It's truly like five years ago. So I'm ready to relearn it. So, uh, so the diet, Diatlov pass. Yes. I'm never going to be able to figure it out. Cause Diatlov. I'm, in my brain, I know it's a different language, and I don't want to fuck it up. So as I'm saying it, I'm trying not to fuck it up, and therefore <laughs> definitely fucking it up. I see what you're saying. Dyatlov. Dyatlov. Dyatlov Pass. Uh, so this happened in 1959, and there were originally 10 students from Oral Polytechnical Institute, which is now Oral uh, Federal University. It's U-R-A-L, so I don't know if that's Ural. Ural. Okay. I was going off of other podcasts and information, and they were saying Earl, so I... Really? I don't know Which if they one? were also guessing. Um, I think well, it's Ural, Mount, like Ural Mountains, I think. That, I mean, would, I could, that would make sense to me, listen, too, Listen, I might be wrong. I feel like someone called me a mansplainer recently, so I'm just like, you know what? Fuck it. I don't know anything. I mean, please mansplain me, because I don't know what I'm doing. Well, apparently... Ural. That sounds that sounds I'm more right sure. than Earl. Okay. I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty sure. And Ural Mountains does sound right to me. Okay, so... Nine students, uh, originally was 10, 10 students from the Ural Polytechnical Institute, which is now the Ural Federal University, are going to go on a trekking expedition in the Ural Mountains. Each was an experienced, at least grade two hiker. And by the end of this expedition, they were all going to get certified for their grade three hiking. So oh that was gosh. kind of the big point of this. To get your grade three certification, you had to have traveled like 200 miles to and like like have ra- racked up all these miles to be able to oh. have have a certain certification, and grade three at the time in the Soviet Union was um, like the highest cla- the highest certification you could get. So this was a big deal for them. Damn. So their goal was to reach a mountain that was six miles north of where this incident actually happened. So they were six miles off at the end of the day, but the route that they were taking was going to be a category three in difficulty. I, I think out of five. Okay. And so, fun fact, the reason it's called the Dyatlov Pass mm-hmm. is because the leader of these, uh, the leader of these hikers, his last name was Dyatlov. Oh, okay. Um, like he was on the trip? He was, he was the leader of the group. Oh, I see. Okay. So, the members, their names were Igor, I'm going to guess, Lyudmila. There was uh, Rustim, Nikolai, Zaneda. And then there were two people named Yuri and two people named Alexander. Oh, perfect. Just double them up. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the official trek begins at the end of January. I'm going to go off of January 27th because the days before that were kind of like, oh, we're driving to the city where we will begin the trek. Oh. But January 27th is where they actually begin climbing. And on day one uh, of their trek, one of the people named Yuri uh, decided that they were actually going to abandon ship and leave because they had really bad joint pain, and they also apparently had a congenital heart issue. Oh, jeez. And so they were like, I'm not going to keep going. So went so, from 10 students to 9. Did they, like, did they start at all, or did they just stop before they... they... had started, and he just went back. Oh, I got it, I got it. So for the next few days, we do know what happened because there were diaries and cameras found on their campsite, but it was pretty much just climbing, and then on February 1st, 
that's when we don't really know what happens anymore because they had planned to go to a certain area before nightfall and let that be their checkpoint. Mm. And then they were going to set up camp and then continue climbing the next day. But that night, that's when the, the incident happened. So what they have assumed to be the situation is that a snowstorm came through while they, this is while they were hiking to their checkpoint. Mm. A snowstorm came through. They got lost and disoriented and ended up going off course by accident. Um, they ended up going further west to the top of the mountain than they planned to. Um, but they had probably inadvertently gained a lot of altitude by going that direction. And so they didn't want to lose the altitude that they had gained or they didn't want to have to trek all the way downhill just to get shelter for the night to trek all the way uphill again. So they voted to set up camp. And that's pretty much what we think happened or that's the last information we have. So the mountain that they were on is called Colat Siakul. I It's not in English, oh, guys. I'm I, so sorry. I really don't know. Um, apparently, the rumor is that it's called Dead Mountain oh, in great. the language of the indigenous people. They're called the Monsi. Um, oh, so it already had that name. It already had the name Colat Siakul. But it was Siakul. like... Yeah. But it's apparently... The rumor is that that translates to dead mountain. Oh, I see, I see. Although all the indigenous people have said that it's actually it actually means mountain of swirling winds. So I think someone was just trying to make the dramatic. story spookier. <laughs> um, Although dramatic or uh, swirling winds would probably kill me. So right on a mountain anyway. So they ended up camping or setting up camp in this space where they didn't accidentally mean to be. Sure. And so after that, I think the rest of it becomes kind of rumor based or what investigators think happened. Mm. The plan at this point was that uh, the team was going to send a telegram to the sports club where they uh, created this expedition. They were going to send a telegram by February 12th. Um, but by February 20th, when they hadn't gotten any word, relatives started freaking out and they were telling the club, like, we need search and rescue. We need, like, we need to find out what happened to them because we should have heard from them by now. And the first rescue groups were actually just volunteers and other students that went through the school and then later, like, the military was called in. Oh, boy. But the first group of people were just students and teachers and volunteers. Okay. So they start looking, and on February 26th, and remember, the last information we have from their diaries was February 1st. So February 26th, while the searchers are looking around, they end up finding the group's damaged tent. <gasps> so 25 days later. Yeah. Wow. So they find the, actually, it's one of the students was that volunteered to search found their tent. Imagine oh. being a student volunteer <gasps> and finding this. Ugh. Found the group's damaged tent where they had set up camp. And his name, I think it translates in English to Michael, but it's M Mikhail. Mikhail? Sure. So, <laughs> Listen, I don't want to make it. I don't have, know any better. Uh, so he's quoted saying, Part of the canvas was poking out, but the rest was covered in snow. I used an ice pick lying nearby to uncover the entrance. The tent was half torn down, covered with snow. It was empty, but all the group's belongings and shoes had been left behind. And inside... Ooh, and shoes. Ooh. Yeah. And Ooh. inside he had found a blanket, rucksacks, their boots, the route map, uh, official papers, money, and alcohol. So all things that you would not leave behind. Especially the alcohol. Mm -hmm. Especially in the cold and you're like... Right. Also, don't they have, like, a, a a trope that they all love drinking there? So, like, you would definitely not take the alcohol. Wait, where are we again? I mean, the Soviet Union. Soviet Union, yeah. I mean, yes, the, the vodka. Because I think, I think it was vodka that they found. Yeah, they did. Yeah. And vodka doesn't freeze, famously. So you would be able to bring that along with you because it would just, just stay warm. Nice and cold. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so, right, right, its own blanket. So uh, they ended up finding all that in the tents, and so they're like, well, something is wrong here. They, they left the vodka. They left the vodka. Forget the route map that they left. Forget, Forget the, their boots. the shoes. And <laughs> uh, but so once the site was discovered, investigators found that the tent had been... This is, these are some weird things. This is what makes it start sounding more like a conspiracy. Okay. So investigators found that the cut... The tent... <sighs> What is wrong with me? The investigators. It does had... sound like a conspiracy. Oh my god! <laughs> and then they turn into demons. <laughs> investigators found that the tent had been cut open from the inside, not just Ooh. unzipped and left. Cut uh, open. I see. They had also found eight to nine sets of footprints that were leading to the edge of the woods on the opposite side of the pass. So they were actually going downhill. So like they would have had to climb all the way back up, but they were going downhill towards the tree line. Okay. And they found th- that these footprints. Uh, showed that the people were either only wearing socks, either they were barefoot, or they were wearing one shoe and barefoot <gasps> on the other foot. So goose it, cam, goose cam. So they were they apparently cut themselves out of the tent, ignored their shoes, and then were going downhill. Holy shit! Um, so between the t- uh, or at the edge of the woods because they saw that they were going to the woods, so they went to go check. And at the edge of the woods, there were remains of a fire. There was also um, the trees above the fire. There were broken branches at least five meters high. So it looked like someone had been climbing. Oh. Probably to look for the tent. Um, Oh, interesting. And then they found two bodies. And those two bodies were only in their underwear. (gasps) So they did not even bring their clothes with them to leave the tent. And it's, by the way, sub-zero. I was going to say February. February in Soviet Russia. In mountains. In Soviet Union. Uh, sorry. It was, uh, I think they said negative 30 degrees Celsius. It was, like, fucking cold. What is that in Fahrenheit? Negative uh, 22 degrees okay. in Fahrenheit. That, uh, so. Just for my own edification. <laughs> sure, just because we're I don't know any, Americans. I don't know the difference. <clears throat> yeah. That's horrifying negative 30 degrees celsius negative 22 degrees fahrenheit so even just to not be wearing shoes is alone like yeah like unthinkable unthinkable i mean you're definitely getting frostbite you're definitely getting hypothermia so two of the bodies were found in their underwear it's assumed that they were the ones who were either climbing the trees and or making the fire Mm. um between the tent and the woods so in that space where they had been walking uh barefoot Three other bodies were found, all at different distances, so they weren't walking together. It's almost like one of them died early on, two of them continued the climb, and someone died, and then the, the third one continued the climb. So they were all, like, a couple hundred feet away from each oh, other. Oh, like, staggered. Yeah. Weird. Okay. So it was almost like they kept giving up on each other and, like, just <gasps> fighting to get back to the tent. What the fuck? Um, they were all also in very weird poses, suggesting that they were limping or crawling in some way back to the tent. Oh, my God. One of them, of these three, one had bitten off his own knuckle. (gasps) One had a long, bright red bruise on the side of her torso as if she'd been hit with a stick or a baton or something. (gasps) And one of them had a fractured skull. Holy shit. It took search and rescue two more months to find their other four remaining bodies. Because, remember, there was nine. Right. And I've only mentioned five. So there were four other bodies they needed to find. Took them two more months. Oh, my God. They ended up finding them in a ravine by the woods, and they were hidden under 13 feet of snow. Mm. So I'm amazed they even were found at that point. Right. 13 feet of snow. Well, I guess the snow used to be taller, and it was slowly melting. Oh, I see. I see. Um, So over time, it was easier to find them. Right. So 
Of these four bodies, some were wearing no clothing and some were wearing each other's clothing, suggesting that as they each died, the people still alive (gasps) would take the clothes off of the bodies to keep themselves warm. Oh my fucking god, dude. This is so wild. One had a fractured skull. Another had a weirdly twisted neck. One had an open wound on his head. And a couple of them had fractured ribs. Mm. Their bodies had soft tissue damage, and forensic scientists say that that is from the snow, just general natural decomp. But they're not really sure why, because if it were natural decomp, it would have happened on the entire face and head all at the same rate. Sure. But what's weird about it is that it's not even like parts of the body were kind of falling off. It's that only specific parts of their faces were damaged, and by damaged, like missing what so like one person was missing her tongue (gasps) which like isn't even on the outside of your fucking face um could that be like animals eating it they they, that's one theory okay but they think uh so she was missing her tongue and her lips the tongue looked like it had been ripped out one person was missing his eyebrows and two people were missing their eyeballs So authorities, after all of this, ended up deeming their deaths as hypothermia. Just that all of them died from hypothermia. Mm -hmm. Which makes sense because, again, it was negative 22 degrees Fahrenheit at the time of their death. So, yeah, I'm sure a percentage of of their deaths was caused by hypothermia. help at the very least. Right. But another thing that makes it weird is that three of them had severe physical trauma. And that's not included in their death. And those three physical... uh, those three instances of physical drama, they all included, which I haven't even mentioned yet, major skull damage and <gasps> chest fractures that forensic scientists have said are comparable to the force of a car crash, like a <gasps> massive car crash. But the weird part is that there are no external injuries showing on them. So what? all the damage happened on the inside. So are just internal, severe internal injuries? Severe internal injuries, Holy but shit. no signs of what could have caused it. Goose cam. So they think... Like, they were saying that something must have caused immense pressure on the inside, almost like they got crushed from the inside or something. What like, the they don't frick? know how this happened. So what's more weird, like I said, the bodies uh, had no external wounds, but their internal injuries, like, it suggests that they were crushed by something. But mm. none of them were found under a tree or anything. Right. And infor- information that was released to the public never once described the condition of their internal organs. They didn't want people to know. Weird. Shady, shady. So the official word is that they died because of a, quote, compelling natural force, which was just their way of being able to sweep it under the rug, like, under the guise of anything. So it could have been hypothermia. nature did it or something. Yeah. And then once they announced publicly that it was a natural force that caused it, then the investigation and the case files became classified instantly. (gasps) And the public was banned from the site for several years. No one was allowed near that space. Years. And in 2009, the hikers' diaries finally became accessible to the public. Only 2009. Holy holy shit. So that's the only way I think that we know the first half. That they, like, were even, like, going into town and they ate some bread. And then apparently (laughs) one of them, like, two of them had just broken up with each other. So it was kind of awkward that they were on the same trip together. Soup sock. So the original lead investigator back in 1959, his name was Lev Ivanov. And now 30 years later, more information is becoming public. I'm going to mention that later, but I wanted to say his name, Lev. He's the original investigator because we're going to talk about him more later. Sure. Um, But up until recently and still 
like still it's still a, a conspiracy sure um people are wondering why was the tent torn open from the inside why did they leave all their belongings why were they barefoot why were half of them naked how did they get internal injuries likened to major accidents uh, why was the cl- the case classified? Where are their eyes? Like, I mean, everything. Just like, yeah, really, really all <laughs> over the fucking board. So here are, that's pretty much the whole story. So now I just have theories. Yes. So the biggest one that people claim is that there was an avalanche. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people think that the hikers woke up in a panic. They heard or saw signs of an avalanche mm-hmm. coming. And so maybe snow over the night had blocked their tent entrance so maybe they had to cut themselves oh, out Oh, interesting and they maybe they weren't clothed well because they had been sleeping but also in my mind it's like if you're sleeping in the tundra essentially like yeah. you you will have clothes on hey, even well, if you're sleeping hey well two of them had just broken up maybe there was some making up they were doing maybe in the one tent they all shared <laughs> there's vodka involved you Listen, never know you, that's true body heat is important a vodka blanket so a vodka blanket everyone's under the vodka blanket everyone's cozy on the inside <laughs> so uh they might not have been clothed because they were sleeping or sleeping together apparently that was um, that was, I, i'm just just joking i don't think they were sleeping together <laughs> to be clear i don't want any to yell at me uh they and then they think they must have then ran to the tree line to be safe from snow that might fall from the avalanche. Sure. Maybe they could stand behind trees and the snow wouldn't hit them. Sure. And so they accidentally got split up in their panic. And so some made a fire. Some just tried to get back to the tent. And those in the ravine had gotten swept away from the actual av- avalanche and buried in snow. Okay, got it. So some of them found a fire. Some of them tried to go back to the tent. Some of them ended up in the ravine because snow actually did sweep them away. Do you think they got, like, do they think they got, like, um, swept up in the blizzardy type weather and, like, couldn't stay together, maybe? Maybe. Or, or maybe, I think that um, visibility was, like... Right. Okay. So it was hard to, like, keep... They couldn't see each other. Right. So I think they, were, they all knew to run to the tree line and weren't together. And then got split up. Okay, got it. So... The issues with this are that there are no signs of an av- avalanche that happened in that area. There's no, <laughs> that would be a big one. There's then. like no pattern or debris <laughs> or any sign of a massive snowfall. Okay, well then that that changes things. <laughs> uh, also, that the bodies in the water would have been swept much further away and under a lot more snow than just 13 feet after oh. a couple weeks. Um, oh, also the tree lines would have been damaged. I mean, if it was a real avalanche, oh. the trees wouldn't fucking be there. Sure. If um, they crushed them to death, right? You'd think it. Yeah. And also since 1959, there have been over 100 more expeditions to the area with no reports of avalanche signs. So it's unlikely because it's not statistically a place that there's a lot of avalanches. Right. And apparently there's new updated terrain science. I'll never understand that. that. Uh, That Apparently they pay attention to like the the house, the slope of the I tried understanding it. I didn't. (laughs) It's like, tell me everything. I, there was like three big factors where they could figure out the probability of avalanches. And they said that that area specifically will always be incredibly unlikely. That is really cool that they can do that. I, I had no idea. And the hikers, they were all there to get their highest certification in hiking. True. Like they would have known the signs of an avalanche mm-hmm. and they would have known uh, the signs of a place that likely has avalanches. Right. And they wouldn't risk spending the night there. And also, I think they'd probably, I mean, you might get into this, but like you'd think they'd know like the protocol of like like staying together yeah like don't just flee also wear a jacket grab your shoes or something (laughs) grab the vodka vodka. um but yeah i mean the fact that they were you know pretty much incredibly naked and they just like scattered like there should be at least like a a hand holding there (laughs) like like wrap each other up with some rope or something how m does emergency protocol (laughs) 
without any hold hands everybody listen without any emergency protocol awareness i at least know buddy system truly we're holding hands and so, i'm holding vodka and that's our emergency <laughs> protocol christine's my buddy and vodka's her buddy we're all holding hands we all need someone a so warm vodka blanket the the weird thing about it too uh the part that makes it more mysterious is that uh, footprint patterns show that when they all left the tent, none of them ran in a way where their footprints are consistent with someone in distress. What? So, Ew, that just freaked me out. Footprint patterns show that all eight to nine of them were walking at a very normal, <sighs> okay. lax, easy pace. That gave me, like, big creeps. So whatever did happen, if it was an avalanche, obviously you'd be running for the fucking hell. You'd think so. But they weren't running. And that becomes a big factor in a lot of these theories of like, well, whatever happened that caused them to flee in a panic, they certainly weren't running like it. So that, that becomes a big factor. It's chilling almost. Yeah. So it's almost like they all casually just left. Naked. Naked. What the fuck? Another big theory is that there were fall-ins on the mountain that would have created denser air near the tent and they wouldn't have been able to breathe. So they would have had to leave. Oh, um, apparently that's how in 1978, a group of Swedish hikers actually did die from fall winds. And the topography of the mountain that they were on when this happened is very similar to the mountain that, um, Oh, interesting. This group of hikers was on. So they thought that might be a thing, but it's really, really unlikely but the theory is that it would have forced them out of their tent and they would have had to go seek shelter and food somewhere. But then again, like, you would have at least grabbed a jacket. So you it's like lack of oxygen or something? It, yeah. Again, I tried to learn about terrain science last <laughs> night. And it sounds like the... It's almost like... I'm going to fuck it up and someone's going to tweet me. And a I terrain know scientist. It. Oh, please be gentle on us. I don't know what I... This... Listen. This is the best that I could figure out at midnight. So whenever they're... A fall wind on a mountain is because the mountain slopes. Okay. The wind on top is a lot colder uh -huh. and not as dense. And then because it's flowing down the mountain, it becomes more dense, like more energy builds or something. Uh -huh. I don't know what's going on. And you can't breathe at the top or the bottom? You can't breathe at the bottom. Got it. Because it gets more dense and it's more less it's less dense on the top i don't know i don't know about fall okay winds. no i just stop I, christine sorry. i didn't ask you i was just saying is it lack of oxygen i think it's lack okay. of or there's like yeah they just can't breathe they can't breathe period okay. all right that's all i know sure okay guys listen listen i'm not a meteorologist or a or a terrain scientist but so in theory they would have not been able to breathe and they would have had to leave but then they why were they walking so calmly why yeah. did they not have their clothes? Why didn't they at least put shoes on? Like, no matter how much air you can't breathe, you can at least grab your shoes to put them on later. Or you can run. Or you can run. You'd so you think. Yeah. If you can't. Yeah. This is wild. So another theory is that all this was caused by infrasound. Mm. So, which is a very low frequency that we can't hear, but apparently our body will react to it. And so they think the way that the wind was going around the mountain created a vortex called a Karman Vortex Street. Apparently, those produce infrasound that induces panic in humans. What? So they think that the hikers would have been driven out of, not only out of their minds, but they would have, like, fled the tent in distress thinking that something wrong was going on. Oh, so it makes you, what, like, paranoid or something? Like... It makes you apparently freak the fuck out. Holy like, you shit. feel, like, dread. It, like, convinces you that you need to to flee the area. And it's just a sound that does that? Right. Wow. Um, That's kind of scary that you don't even know you're hearing it and it's doing this to you? It's like a white noise, but, like, a different frequency where, like, it makes you feel a certain way. Does that way. happen in the world? Like, is there... 
like in other places? Do we know? Maybe. That's really scary. I'm like, am I in that? Can Maybe. I, be in I that? know different types of, like, I know white noise is only one type of noise, but You're then right. there's like brown noise, pink, pink noise, noise, and all of them actually make your body react a certain way. So I think based on frequencies, this also does that. Interesting. So, uh,. The injuries could have the injuries after the fact because they could have like freaked out, ran away. That would have explained why they didn't have an emergency protocol because mm-hmm. they weren't in their right minds. They would have ran away. And then by, at the point that they were far enough away from the frequency, they would have kind of regained <gasps> their sanity and realized they were lost. Oh, shit. And then maybe they could have sustained those other injuries from like falling down the ravine because they trip or something right. and then like land on the rocks. And that would be the intense crash internal damage. But they're, first of all, they're, again, their footprints don't suggest that they were in a panic. Right. And they, um, there's not enough evidence, apparently, through acoustic scientists. There's not enough evidence to show that low frequencies really even give us complete mild symptoms, let alone extreme duress. Oh. And also with so many people, you'd think, like, somebody probably wouldn't have been that Yeah, affected. someone would have been affected less. And yeah. then, like, what is going on? Unless one of them, I guess, scared everyone else. Like, right. I don't know. Something's after us or... I don't know. But so that's another big theory. Another one, the original theory, even from the investigators, was that they were attacked by the indigenous people up there. But first of all, they're a very peaceful group of people. And also at the time, the Soviet Union really hated them, apparently, and would find any reason Uh to imprison them, torture them, anything like that. So it was just an easy scapegoat kind of. Oh, that's fucked up. But the... um, the footprints that also show that there are only eight to nine in that whole area. So if other people were there to attack them, you would have seen oh, it. Oh, true. Also, the hiker's physical injuries could have not been caused by another human being because the damage done to them suggests a force stronger than human strength. And mm. there was no soft tissue damaged on the outside. Everything that happened was on the oh. inside. So if they got hit, you would have seen a bruise or a cut. What the fuck? Yeah. And also, at this point, the indigenous people hadn't even committed a single crime in, like, 30 years. So, it wasn't... It was not them. It was not them. Um, So, some other theories are that maybe the wind was so strong, it blew one of them away, and they tried to (gasps) rescue them. Oh, God. But the wind would have also blown away the tent. Okay, fair. Um, They think it might have been animal attacks, but there's no animal footprints in the area. Sure. And they would have stayed in their tent. Yeah, I feel like that's one of those things, again, of, like, they probably have protocol for that. Right. I mean, I know I would stay in the tent. I, I don't know, know if that's right, but... Em and I would hold hands. <laughs> I would hold you. You would hold the vodka. Um, a lot of people literally think that it was a Yeti or an abominable snowman because they are said to be in the Ural Mountains. And uh, in 2014, the Discovery Channel actually, like, twisted an episode into making it sound like a oh, Yeti boy. was involved in the story. Oh, boy. Um, there was, on one of their cameras, one of the hikers' cameras, there was a picture of something that could be a Yeti that was they took a picture and it oh, was creepy and it was shown on the discovery channel but it could have also been one of the other hikers or one of the indigenous people but it's so blurry you can't really tell sure if it's sure. a yeti <laughs> so it is creepy it reminds me of the panama the girls who were who disappeared in panama oh yeah with their cameras and then they looked through the footage later for clues it that freaks me out so Yikes. much well one picture suggests maybe a yeti was involved okay <laughs> um but for obvious reasons i don't think it was a yeti i would hesitate to ascribe that uh, theory yeah. right and then uh and another big theory which isn't really a theory it's probably just legitimately what happened because it's common um was paradoxical uh paradoxical undressing um which what is, is that? well have you ever heard of like when people die on mountains they usually find them naked 
Oh, is it like they get hot in the Because they're so hypothermia? cold, their brain thinks that they're actually hot, and so they take their clothes off before they die. I did not know that word for it. What yeah, is it? Yeah, paradoxical undressing. Oh, my. So that actually happens to 20 to 50% of people who die of oh. hypothermia, where you remove your clothes in a response to perceived feelings of being burned. Because it's it's like having snow oh. on you, and it's so cold, it's hot, your whole body feels like that, and so you take your clothes off thinking you're on fire. <sighs> I always, uh, well, clearly I'm an idiot, but I always pictured it as like, oh, your body's protecting you by being like, no, you're gonna, you're nice and warm before you die. I didn't know it felt like burning. I'm like, that makes it worse. Oh no, it it, you feel like you're like, like it's just It's horrible. like if you hold an ice cube long enough and your hand, it's so sense. cold, it's hot. For some reason, I thought it was your brain like shutting down and protecting you. Like, no, we're warm before you die. It's your brain shutting down. Yeah, but- <laughs> it's the first part. I think it's your hypothalamus or something like that. But it's whatever regulates your temperature yeah, gets yeah. confused. Okay, I understand. I didn't know it was that fucking traumatic. I, I mean, obviously you're dying of. Yeah, hypothermia it's traumatic but i meant right. like i i didn't really understand uh the science behind it that is fucked up okay yeah, great, yeah. great super duper so fun fact one theory is that's at least why they were naked mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. what's interesting is that although all of them probably had hypothermia in some way or sure, another sure. a lot of them were wearing each other's clothing which means that some of them were in their right mind enough to know to layer up Maybe they knew. Maybe they knew if I'm if I feel like yeah. I'm on fire, I need to put more clothes yeah, on. Yeah, maybe it was like they know how the how your body does that, and they were trying to. Maybe yeah. I don't know. They I were like, know. "This is the fucking end game." Like, if I feel like I'm on fire, more clo- more layers. Yeah. So those are a lot of the the most common said theories, but my Ooh. favorite one is the military conspiracy. Yeah. So they think that this entire thing can be explained away, explained away with the fact that there was some sort of nuclear testing or UFOs mm-hmm. in the area. It's even believed by a lot of the hikers' parents that oh shit that it was something involving the military because even they were not given a lot of information about what happened to their kids. One of them is quoted saying, "What went on up there is hard to say. The families were told you will never know the truth, so stop asking questions." And in those what? days, because it was the Soviet Union, in those days, in the height of the Cold War, sure. uh, a quote: "If they told you to shut up, you would be silent." So yeah. They were just told, like, you're not going to find out anything. And that could be, you know, it could have really meant, like, you'll never know the truth because we literally don't know. Jesus. So stop asking questions and just move on. But it also comes off as, like, if we knew something, we're not going to tell you. sinister almost, yeah. Yeah. So um, the files, like I said, were immediately classified. And once they were accessible in the 90s, post-Soviet era, parts of the files were still missing. Mm. We still don't know what happened to them. So Lev, who I told you, mm. was it Lev or Leave? I think, it's, I think I, Leave has an eye. Uh, I'm gonna I say Lev. Lev. I'm gonna say Lev. Sorry, but yeah, guys. I remember him. Uh, so he's the original investigator uh, from 1959. He even admitted that he was told by his superiors, that were uh, high-ranking officials, that he needed to stop investigating and not talk anymore about oh, it. Oh shit! Um, and he apparently was super determined to figure out what happened, and they were like, "You need to forget about this." So there's another quote. Relatives, the media, and the public don't hide their suspicions, and something was hidden from them. So everyone kind of knows, but no one's allowed to talk about it, that something fishy happened. Yeah. Um, And one guy that became friends with Lev, his name was Oleg, and uh, when Lev passed away, Oleg was the one that inherited his personal archive. Mm. So he got to see all the things, all the classified information that Lev knew but wasn't allowed to talk about, and... He knew something fishy was going on, and he was told to shut it down and never think about it again. But he had kept his archive, I guess, this whole time. So at the same time as the incident, uh, this is some of the information that Oleg found in Lev's archives. 
At the same time as the incident, many animals were found dead in the area and locals were suddenly banned from using well water. <gasps> also, the indigenous people were banned from the area and hunting was prohibited for four years. Four years? Also, all of the bodies, in one way or another, ended up, at least at their funeral, because they had open caskets and people could see that they had an orange coloring to their skin, their hair had grayed, and they were prematurely aged. Ugh, what? Yeah, super their skin fucking creepy. was orange. Their hair had grayed, and what was the, they prematurely aged? They looked older than they were. Oh God! And they were all college students. They were like in their twenties. What the frick? That is weird. Also, fragments of the body's organs were sent to a uh, sent out for chemical analysis, and Oleg in this archive found that there were signed documentation saying that the organs were successfully delivered. But as soon as the results, samples, and paperwork came through, a secret lab department came and took them all away. Another, so we don't know. We don't know. <gasps> Another classified piece of information he found was that a lot of the hikers' clothing had high levels of radiation. Oh, shit. Um, also, when, they, when the bodies were going to be autopsied, big barrels of alcohol were delivered to the, the morgue, and that was apparently an old-fashioned way to protect yourself from radiation. If you... You're kidding. If you bathe in alcohol first. So. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Also, my favorite thing is that the morgue, uh, the morgue that the bodies were taken to, according to Lev's personal archive, the morgue the bodies were taken to was surrounded by KGB officers, not police, and nobody was allowed in. And like I said, the incident happened at the height of the Cold War, and some believe that the hikers may have accidentally walked into a nuclear testing site. Oh, shit. And the hikers were then shell-shocked in some way by the explosions. They fled the tent. They fell down a ravine. And then animals and natural decomp ate out their organs and Sure, tongue. sure. It checks out somewhat because the campsite that they set up on actually was near a Soviet nuclear testing ground that did parachute mine exercises. Oh, my God. The parachute mines apparently detonate in the air instead of on the ground. And they, quote, cause heavy internal damage with comparably less external trauma. Oh, well, Which there is exactly you go. what happened to them. There you go. It might also explain the radiation found on them, also giving them orange skin, gray hair, and prematurely aging. That's terrifying. But if this was a military thing, they would have never allowed students and volunteers oh, to be true. searching in that area. True. They would have never let the parents find out that that's where their kids were found. Yeah. And only the uh, hikers had radiation on them, not the whole mountain, and fallout would have been everywhere interesting and also i'm just thinking like why did they let them see the bodies at the funeral if right it's kind of weird like wouldn't she think that that they would hide that too skeptics think that um the morticians actually tried to cover up the frostbite and tried to give them a natural tan and the makeup was orange i was thinking that too i was like maybe their bodies were so great and yeah frozen so a lot of people think it was just like the makeup from the mortician that made them orange because the only reports are from the funeral where people sure no that makes a lot of sense to me yeah um also only the hikers had radiation on them like i said so if the radiation came from the air um they would have all had it but only some of them showed signs of radiation on their clothing so it's almost like some of them were in a more nuclear area but that almost makes it weirder that some of them had it and some didn't right it's almost like some of them like up and left and like went to a really dangerous area sure. and then came back or like maybe uh there was one very like a reddit theory that i found that's maybe the kgb found them on the property woke them up or cut the tent to tell them to leave 
and then they all like were filed out which is why their feet were so why their footprints <gasps> were so normal Ugh. like they were almost like led out Ugh. but then it doesn't explain how they all died in different positions yeah. and different distances so um jeez some think that the testing ground wasn't far away and the hikers radiation could have actually just come from drinking contaminated snow from old fallout oh interesting okay but that means that the contamination was then in the land and it doesn't explain why they had radiation on their clothes maybe they washed their clothes in it maybe they like rolled around in the snow <laughs> maybe maybe they're doing snow angels maybe vodka again radioactive snow angels oh fun so others think that the radiation could have come from the mantles or the fabric bags that came with their lanterns because in the 1950s those were slowly being weeded out because they contained thorium which does emit particle radiation interesting okay. so they think it could have just been some of their gear had radiation I see. I see. But it still was a nuclear site that was nearby, and people believe that the hikers maybe saw too much. Uh, around the same time as the incidents, there were other local reports of glowing orange orbs falling from the sky. And some believe that this is either a UFO theory or they think that these were government experiments that people were seeing, um, especially because it's such a like desolate area. If there were a couple local reports, like no one's going to believe it and no one's really ever yeah. going to hear about it. So. This was a space to do nuclear testing. Yeah. Um, especially if they could just tell people, shut up and don't talk about it, and they just won't. Yeah, especially, you know? yeah, exactly. And these orbs were seen many times in 1959 by meteorologists, military, and locals. Wow. On the same night as this particular incident with the hikers, one other group of hikers reported seeing orange, fast-moving balls, which are potentially rocket missiles. Mm. They were quoted saying, this bright burning object appeared. It was wider at the front and narrower at the back with a tail, and there were sparks flying off of it. And in 1990, before Lev died, he admitted that his team got several reports of fireballs in the sky, and they couldn't figure out a rational explanation for them. But since then, he, since then, Lev has stated that he thinks the unspecified energy directly caused the skier's death. He's convinced that these fireballs actually are what killed them. Wow. Okay. Um, he said, we found out that, uh, we found that some young pine trees at the edge of the forest had burn marks, but these marks did not have concentric form or some other pattern. There was no epicenter. This once again confirmed that, uh, heated beams of a strong, but completely unknown energy were directing their firepower towards specific objects. In this case, the hikers, um hot damn and then he even went so far as to say i suspected at the time and an almost sure now that these bright flying spheres had a direct connection to the group's death whoa so and then he's dead so like no sure. one's ever gonna say anything about that but he, i mean the lead chief investigator says that something fishy potentially military was going on up there and they were just in the crossfires um damn 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 one fun theory that people have come up with is that some of the hikers were actually KGB operatives and they were delivering radioactive materials. And so <gasps> some of the some of the hikers were just collateral damage, but three of them had pretended to go off course so that they could actually get to a, a like a, a spot a where they or something. Yeah, like a trading exchange oh, sure. spot. So they were delivering radioactive materials and that which is. Interesting is that one of the people named Yuri on this expedition, he actually did work um, for a nuclear plant two years before. Oh, intriguing. Yuri. And then they think something went wrong in the, the handoff and all of them ended up dying. That's just a, a random theory. Oh, my. But again, no matter how expert you are at being a CIA operative, you would have still left footprints in the snow. Um, 
Oh, true. You mean the people that they were meeting? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, true. We also know that six were killed by the weather, but three still suffered brute force trauma beyond human strength. So it's not a matter of the CIA just like shooting everyone. Right, right. And so they really don't. Those are like the biggest theories. In 1999, the uh, Dyatlov. Yeah. (laughs) The Dyatlov Foundation was founded in 1999 to continue studying the case and maintaining a museum that goes towards trying to figure out what happened. And. The most recent update is last February, so almost a year ago today, Russian authorities actually announced that they're going to reopen the case, and they uh, are acknowledging the fact that there are about 75 main theories surrounding the death. 75? At least. Like, those are the ones that they... the main ones. (laughs) Those are the ones that they started with, and what's shady about it is that CNN has reported that out of those 75 main theories where all of them have some sort of legitimacy to them... They are only going to pay attention to three explanations, and they're going to ignore the other 72. They're mm-hmm. only paying attention to three, and they are all three that we've already been able to debunk. Oh, like which, do we know which ones? An avalanche. Oh. A hurricane. There was... Wait, what? <laughs> all you could, you could literally just type in, like, 1959 weather. Was there a hurricane? No. <laughs> Um, Alexa, was there? <laughs> and then a snow slab avalanche where just like, a, instead of it cascading down the mountain, there was just a massive clump like a of snow of that fell. So, oh my gosh. So they, so a lot of people are mad because even though we know none of these are likely possibilities, they're kind of teasing us with like, oh, we're going to figure out the case, but they also might just be covering up the case again yeah. with with a new reason. Well, it's frustrating putting money and energy towards that when we know that's not what it was. Yeah. That's- it's... I, so it's like, thank you for looking into it, but also you're not looking into it. And then it's like, yeah, it still sounds shady because it's like, why are you trying to like uh-huh. turn our heads and make us look at these these situations that we know aren't true? Why aren't you paying attention to the like diverting the attention? That's yeah. Shady as hell. Yeah. So anyway, that is the oh, idea of past. Amazing. Um, I'm, I'm so fascinated. One thought I had, what if it was like, I don't know if this is a thing or not. What if one of the people in the group got like like lost like hmm what's the right term for it like went uh kind of lost it and went you know like went went a little wild and killed everyone or just like started reacting in a certain way that scared everyone or like i don't know you know what i mean oh well so there are a lot of theories that there like there was some sort of foul play but a lot of the um a lot of the like counter arguments like snapped sorry that's the word yeah, i was yeah, trying yeah. to think of a lot of the counter arguments are that Six of them were never harmed except by the weather. And then the other three, it was still internal blunt trauma with right, no right. external damage. So no human could have done that. So do you, what do you think? Also, they, the footsteps show that they weren't running or scared. Well, what if one of them like kind of quote unquote snapped and like cut his way out of the tent or whatever and went off and then they went to try and find him? Oh. Like he just was like, I'm done or something. They were like, no, you, I That's don't know. That's a thought. And then maybe they split up in search parties. I don't know. I mean, the best part about this is no one I knows. No, it's crazy. These unsolved ones get me good though. Every time these conspiracies, um, do they have any thoughts on what the internal... Like, how that could have happened? Like, a fall? They literally think it had to have been an, in- an incredibly high amount of pressure or someone something crushing them, but they don't have an explanation for it. So they also think that if it were military testing, something with that much radiation they were next to could have done some sort of internal damage. Okay, okay, got like, it. Like, I forget which part that I mentioned it, but there was some sort of testing that is known to create internal right, damage without okay. external signs. So that's why they think that it could have been a military thing, especially because they were so quick to classify everything. That is just 
Ugh. Also, his little tongue is sticking out while he's sleeping. I know. Gio, I just want to. I just want to pull on it like a little, taffy. Little blip. He's so sweet. Oh man. Anyway, that was a good story, Em. Thank you. It's been years in the making. I've I've wanted to. I'm so happy you covered it. It freaks me out to this day. Yeah, I wish I could have ended this with like giving you a reason, but. Well, I mean, maybe uh, maybe someday we can do an update. Yeah. Like Golden State Killer. I yeah. mean, that was that was a something surprise else. update nobody expected. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue, then get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. There's over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. There are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Get started today and get after your goals. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required and it's less expensive than takeout. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. You can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor is a perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. I found myself recently recommending Factor to so many people in my life and this food is really good. So Blaze and I actually get to pick our own meals every week and, you know, separate them in the little drawer in the fridge and, uh, uh, make sure the other keeps their hands off. I personally love the cold brew smoothies. Those are always my go-to in the morning if I'm running around dropping Leona off, don't have time to cook myself breakfast. It's a great solution. Head to factormeals.com drink50 and use code drink50 to get 50% off. That's code drink50 at factormeals.com drink50 to get 50% off. All right. So this week I am covering a story that was suggested by one of my close friends, one of you all from Patreon. Oh, wow. Uh, I did a little Q and A on, um, on Instagram close friends and I asked for topic suggestions. I got a lot, including one from M that said, just cancel the story and tell, list the reasons you love me. Did, so, are you going to do that? Yep. You're, number one. You're okay. Anyway, oh. here's my story. <laughs> Good, not great. <laughs> Good, not great. Um, uh, you're fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So I, uh, so somebody named Mags dot microbiology. You sound smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, requ- uh, suggested this. Requested this. It's the story of Mark Latunsky and the murder of Kevin Bacon. No, Ooh. not that Kevin Bacon. Okay. The uh, actually, I'm going to skip forward and read the the line here. The article on Heavy dot com reads. Bacon is not the actor with the same name to state the obvious in, like, the first paragraph. <laughs> got it. Okay, got it. Because <laughs> I'm sure that's everyone's first thought. Um, we could pretend, though. I mean, for the sake of our story. I think maybe let's not. Okay. For a, mm, This is probably not the time to... I'll um, find out later. To, uh... To, uh... To, uh... As- ascribe murder to people who are alive. Sure. I've already done that last episode. You did already do that. Um, we don't... Yeah. We're just gonna <sighs> stick to the facts. Jim Belushi and Kevin Bacon are gonna come after me. <laughs> 
Can you imagine, though? That would be... What a story for the grandkids. What a story. Okay, so anyway, thank you, mags.microbiology, for the suggestion. Um, this takes place in Swartz Creek, Michigan, which is a suburb of Flint, and this has actually taken place over the last few months, like, literally since, like, November, December. Oh, really? So it's, it's just, like, oh, eight weeks ago. Yeah, it's extremely current. Uh, let's put it that way. Um, so things are kind of still developing, but it's a wild story. So, Christmas Eve 2019, 25-year-old hairstylist Kevin Bacon, not the Kevin Bacon, uh, is a, so he's a former hairstylist at Vintage Beauty and JCPenney. He's getting his degree in applied psychology at the University of Michigan, Flint. The night of Christmas Eve, around 5 p.m., he tells his roommate, Michelle, that he is going to go out and meet with a man he met on Grindr. A little over an hour later, at 6.12 p.m., Michelle receives a text from Kevin saying he's going to be out for a little while and he's having a good time, so he's not sure when he's coming back. But uh, the next morning, when Kevin didn't show up for Christmas breakfast with his family, his dad was immediately worried because they had plans to get together on Christmas morning, and it was not like him to miss that. And when he couldn't get a hold of him, he called the police and reported him missing. Gotcha. Later that day, uh, they found Kevin's car in the parking lot of a plaza near a family dollar. Inside the car, police found all of Kevin's belongings, including his clothing, his cell phone. Oh, boy. Uh, everything except his car keys were was in the back of the car. So, wow. oh, okay. December 27th, so two days later, Kevin's family and friends f- uh, formed search parties to look for him. And his family... Wow, I'm sorry. It's just hitting me that it's Christmas. Yeah, yeah, Christmas Day. They... Can you imagine Christmas Day? Like, you don't know where someone is and they're supposed to be with you. Yeah, your own son. And they found his car on Christmas Day, like, with his cell phone in it, which is just... Wow. Gut-wrenching, yeah. So, uh... They so they find his car two days later. They organize this, these big search parties, and his family alerts the media. Um, and at this point, when people start searching, Grinder actually releases a statement that I'm going to read here. We at Grinder are heartbroken to hear about this terrible tragedy and share our condolences with Mr. Bacon's family and friends. While for privacy reasons we do not offer public comment on individual user accounts, we remain fully committed to working with law enforcement in the event of any investigation. And I always think this is interesting because there's such – they're trying to trying to develop and figure out the, like, laws and protocol around, like, social media and, like, privacy laws and cell phone records when someone's missing. And right. Kevin's dad said he had a really, really, really hard time getting access to Kevin's account because of, you know, privacy reasons and laws and things like that. So they're tr- I think it's just really interesting wow. how probably in 10, 15 years there would probably be clearer rules on that. But Yeah, we're just living in a nebulous right now. Yeah, exactly. Um, so around 3 p.m. Uh, that same day, the 27th, search parties were looking in the area of Sports Creek Raceway uh, after someone claimed they saw drops of blood in the area. But the search was ultimately called off, yielded no results whatsoever. It was a false lead. The next morning, though, on Saturday, December 28th, police got a tip that Kevin was last believed to have been at the home of a man, 50-year-old Mark Latunsky, in Shiawassee County, Michigan. They didn't reveal how uh, they knew, like, how they had gotten this tip, but uh, I think the Washington Post said it was probably in his Grindr app, like, maybe his roommate knew who he had met up with. Maybe she was able to open up his Grindr and see who it was, that kind of thing. So they were able to to determine that Mark Latunsky is the person he was meeting up with, so... They detect so detectives perform a welfare welfare check at Mark Latunsky's home, and he opens the door and he's basically like, "Oh sure, come on in, take a look around." So this is uh, where shit gets fucked up. 
Okay. So Great. they enter Mark's home, and at first he's just like, come on in. And at first they don't see anything. And then they take a look around, and they find a secret room in the basement. Uh, okay. That's always good. Great. In that room, they found Kevin dead. He was hanging from the ceiling rafters by his ankles. Oh, fuck. Completely nude. And Mark Latunsky was immediately arrested, obviously, and he readily admitted to killing Kevin. He said he had stabbed him in the back after they met up, slit his throat. Then once he was dead, he tied a rope around his ankles and hung him upside down from the rafters. According to police testimony, he also explained that he used a knife to cut off Kevin's testicles and eat them. Fuck. Yeah. This Holy shit. Just a lot. A lot. Oh, my God. And, like, somewhat unsurprisingly, this was not the first run-in Mark Latunsky had had with the law, uh, believe it or not. Only, okay. Only a few months earlier. And it all happened within, like, since, so this first one is October. So October 2019 till now, this, like, weird, massive story has occurred. So it's, like, extremely recent. Um, October 10th, 2019, operators received a 911 call in which a man tells the dispatcher... He's desperately yelling. He says, I don't know if he drugged me. I woke up in the basement, chained in his basement. <gasps> oh, my God. So he tells the dispatcher a man had been hitting on him at the bus station. They went out for drinks. And the next thing he knew, he woke up in the same man's basement. In a desperate attempt to escape, he said he used a butcher knife to cut the leather strap from his ankle that was uh, connected to a chain. And he was able to flee the house before jumping a fence with the ankle strap still on him, like still attached <gasps> to him. Oh, my God. And he jumped a fence, ran to a um, phone, you know, the nearest like gas station phone he could find. And so uh, the so he was from out of town, but police were able to find him. And he said he didn't want to press charges. He told police he didn't want uh, anyone involved. According to Michigan State Police Lieutenant David Kaiser, quote, Nobody wanted the police there. Nobody wanted to file charges. A lot of times people have a professional life and a personal life. They don't want to intertwine the two. Their personal life is very secret, very protected. Okay. So, however, unfortunately, only a month later, a similar incident occurred at the same guy's house, Mark Lutunsky, on November 25th, 2019, which I think is like right when Thanksgiving was. So, shit. Yikes, wow. he's ruined everyone's holidays. Oh my God. November 25th, 2019, a neighbor called 911 to report seeing a man running outside with a bloodied face wearing only a leather kilt with another man chasing him. Oh, my God. Oh, my <laughs> God. Like, what the what? fuck is going on? What the fuck? It oh is just the weirdest shit ever. So the uh, police came out, obviously. Uh, the young man told authorities he had also been chained up in Mark Latunsky's basement and had gotten away. How is he not in jail yet? I don't understand. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'll tell you right now. He said he had become frightened or spooked, and that's why he ran, but everything that happened in the house was consensual, so he did not want to file a police report. <sighs> and so the two men that had met with him were like, it was all consensual, but they had just, you know, some, it had gone too far, and they ran away. But they didn't want to press charges because what they had originally been doing in their minds was what they had wanted to be doing. Sure. Um, so, I mean, obviously things went too far for them but uh yeah neither of them wanted to press charges um let me see they so as at this point uh since nobody filed a police report the police were not able to do like there was no criminal act basically so as law enforcement there wasn't anything further they could do uh mark mark for uh for what it's worth said uh he just wanted his 300 hundred dollar kilt back which is what okay. the guy was wearing 
So they gave it to him. Uh, after that, they had to just walk away because there was nothing more they could do, nothing to arrest him on. And uh, so obviously now they have something very, very major to arrest him on, which is that he just told everyone he murdered and cut off right. Kevin's testicles. And ate them. And ate them. Um, so they look into Mark. His social media presence, he had a different name. It was Olikos Kai Lucas. And his social media was full of pictures showing him wearing his, like, $300 kilt. Uh, on LinkedIn, he described himself as a self-employed chemist who worked in the Barrier Residence Division of the Dow Chemical Corporation in Midland, Michigan, characterizing the rates of decomposition of polymeric, materi- polymeric materials. Whatever what? that is. Okay. But he's self-employed, so I don't know what he's doing in there. <laughs> Got it. Okay. He's doing all that in his house, in his secret room. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, don't, I have no idea. <sighs> so his Facebook bio claimed, those who really know me call me a straight arrow. Uh-huh, I'm sure they do. Uh, okay. I am a chemist and an experimentalist. One, one way to put it. Yeah. So uh, his photos were all of like him in, the, in this kilt and kilts. It was like his thing, I guess. And um, there was actually, interestingly, on the, hev- the article that I read on heavy.com, this Instagram user posted a picture and said, my mom took this photo. She was at the grocery store and she saw this guy in a kilt and she was like chatting with him about the kilt and they took like a photo together and post. And then she's like, oh, and no. months later I realized like that's the guy. Fuck. And so she had the photo of her mom with the guy and was like, she ran into him at the grocery store and was complimenting his kilt. And, oh my God. Ugh, it just gives me the creeps. I hope the next person I see in a kilt is not a killer. <laughs> I hope so too. Um, yeah. So that, that uh, was like his thing, you know? Um, so, he was a straight arrow, quote unquote. Yeah, right. Because he was quickly charged with open murder and bodily mutilation. Fuck. Okay. And Awful. Yes. And despite being so open to letting police into his home, and then he outright admitted that he had killed Kevin, he pleaded not guilty to the charges of murder uh, and dismemberment and mutilation of a body. Mm. His attorney is seeking an insanity defense, describing a litany of past mental health issues. Uh, For example, according to court records, uh, he was known to stop taking medication prescribed to treat his mental health illnesses, which were described as major depression, paranoid schizophrenia, Mm. and traits of a personality disorder in both 2010 and 2012. His defense lawyer claims that he is fixated on a conspiracy theory involving multiple nations slash countries and multiple trust accounts. And he also allegedly believes that he is a noble person from the Thomas clan of Wales and that the name Mark Latunsky is a cover for his true identity, Edgar Thomas Hill. Oh, wow. A lot of information I just just heard. Just a big... Holy shit. Okay. That's his like real Facebook bio. That's like his... um, That's... That's... That should be on his LinkedIn for sure. Yeah, that's like his close friends I'm bio. actually a noble, so. <laughs> that's like what he tells his close friends on Instagram. Like, you get the real me. <laughs> right, right, right. On his Bumble BFF page. Bumble BFF. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so that's what his lawyer, allegedly, that's what he believes. This is what his lawyer, his defense lawyer is claiming as part of the insanity defense. I see. Um, however, he has been, there were a couple times, for example, in... I forget what year it was, but he was also charged with kidnapping his children and, like, taking them. And the charges were dropped, but he was charged with uh, kidnapping because he had taken his kids away from his um, – their mother and, you, wow. know, you know, that kind of thing. Like, a custody yeah. custody issue. Um, and in all the other cases before this, he had been um, perfectly fine to stand trial. Like, there was never any uh, mental health defense at those – during those. So this is kind of a new – uh a new defense 
Um, of course, like at this point, he's only on trial for the murder of Kevin Bacon. But according to the Washington Post, um, a dozen a dozen detectives and a criminal analyst, this, by the way, gave me major goose cam, are on the case trying to figure out how many people Mark Latunsky has met on Grindr and make sure they contact all of them to see that they're all okay. Because, like, who knows? It is crazy. There does have to be an algorithm on the back end of, like, every single person that's matched. Isn't that wild? Yeah. But it also makes me wonder, like, I'm on Bumble BFF, and I've been on Tinder, like, back when I, like, was single. Yeah. It's like, I wonder who I, like, luckily didn't meet up with. Well, weirdly, I'm literally thinking of the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Where it's like, the you know, oh, and that was actually part of that Instagram post was, like, you know, they say you walk past 17 serial or murderers in your lifetime and whatever. And this person was like, and my mom, like, hung out with one at the grocery store. Oh, right, you right, know? right. Like, you really never know. Yeah, I mean, I have, I could have run into five of them or run by five of them today. Or, like, I could have been parked behind one. Like, I, you never know. This is why I don't leave my house. Take a tip no. from me. <laughs> oh, terrifying. Yeah, it is. Uh, so just be careful who you trust, I guess. Let's put it that way. Look out for number one. <sighs> yeah. Um, so let's see. So they're looking into who he has matched with on Grinder to make sure everyone is okay and there aren't any other, you know, unknown victims who are maybe missing persons, that kind of thing, because who knows, this might lead to other, I mean, hopefully not, but this might lead to um, other connected disappearances. Um, and the case is obviously ongoing, so we don't know yet if anything's been found, but it hasn't been released yet. Uh, I will let you know if it is. Um, Actually, you guys will let me know probably on Twitter, and then I'll let you know back Uh uh on the show. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Bacon's funeral was held last month, Friday, January 3rd, in Swartz Creek, Michigan. Wow. I don't think you've ever told a more topical story of, like, his funeral was last week. We're recording this February 4th, so it was... I'm sorry. Yeah, so it was January 3rd, so it was a month ago. Oh, January 3rd. Wow. Still... It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's one month ago. It's really, really dark. Yeah. Um, they held a candlelight vigil later that night. Uh, Kevin's loved ones made banners. They brought balloons. Uh, friends painted the flint rock in his honor. Um, according to those who knew him, Kevin had a love for family friends. He had cats, two cats named Smokey and Fuzzy. He had a dog named Hannah, and he loved doing makeup and hair. And then his roommate, Michelle, the one who was kind of the last person to talk to him, and see him uh, alive described him beautifully on i think it was an instagram post she wrote kevin could brighten up any room he walked into he loved talking about hair makeup fashion and music he loved taylor swift lady gaga and jeffree star he was amazing at making vivid hair colors look great and was passionate and creative about his hair work he loved the color tiffany blue with a passion he loved getting tattoos. He also loved his friends and family so much. He came to my band concerts at, at MSU and while I was in the marching band. He came to my senior recital and was my own personal hairstylist, even dyeing my hair the night before as a graduation gift. We were always able to vent to each other. He was always so empathetic and gave great advice and perspective when I needed clarity. He was like my own personal therapist. I remember asking Kevin not too long ago what his dreams were, if there were no limitations and he could be anything. He said he wanted to be a hairstylist for the runway and wanted to work as a hairstylist in a major salon in a big city. I believe he fully could have accomplished those dreams. He was so creative. Oh, that's really sad. Yeah. And I, you know, it's also wild is like thinking had this only happened a month ago. Like, yeah, this sounds, this sounds really pragmatic and, and not emotional or practical, not very emotional, but like 
that person is like probably still looking for like a new roommate and like there's like other things like still oh, yeah. happening after the fact like, like the ripples are still very strong in their lives yeah right now. and yeah. like the i mean usually when we tell stories it's like i kind of in my brain maybe it's not true but at least for comfort i can tell myself like oh it happened a while ago and maybe the the grieving process isn't isn't as intense but like right now like people like this someone's is, son right. died last month this is like very real right now holy shit i know and that makes it so it, br- it brings it back into like reality rather yeah. than just like a story and mm-hmm. that's why also like i wanted to just read that because i know a lot of the articles have been like about the killer and he wore this crazy kilt and he had whatever mental illness and it's like you know obviously that's a big part of the story but i feel like like that just this happened guy. like yeah, there's yeah, so yeah, many yeah. people suffering right now yeah. because of this wow yeah and i think it's worth talking about him more than it is about the man who killed him mm-hmm. um so as of the date of the research which was uh early february um the most recent news articles i could find were with updated information were from last week so end of january so that was like the most recent updates um, as of now, Latunsky is scheduled to undergo competency, blah, 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 competency and forensic valuations to determine his competency to stand trial. And that's kind of what I was saying in a much less coherent way earlier that in the past he's been found competent to stand trial at his other Got it. criminal hearings, but, um, he's undergoing that right now yeah. as well. Uh, he will be moved from the Shiawassee County Jail to the Center for Forensic Psychiatry for uh, for evaluations, and this process could take 60 to 90 days, if not longer. Apparently, there's like also a big delay right now um, in transferring people, and so they outright said uh, to the media, like, this might be delayed. Uh, currently, the court sessions are on hold until the report is submitted, so it might be a while till we get another update. Uh, Latunsky's lawyer claims that he seems to truly believe the grandiose stories he's been telling his attorney. Then again, it's his attorney saying that, so who knows? Right. But uh, at his arraignment hearing on December 30th, uh, for what it's worth, Latunsky said that, uh, no, he was not Mark Latunsky. He was Edgar Thomas Hill, and Mark Latunsky was his nephew. So that's where things have started. Um, if Latunsky is found not competent, he will be hospitalized in a lockdown facility and he will be treated for his mental health um, concerns until he is deemed competent to stand trial. Uh, and perhaps the weirdest aggressive turn that my research took where I was reading these articles and all of a sudden I was like, huh, uh, is that uh, Mark Latunsky's house is now up for sale. Uh, okay. <laughs> the one where Kevin's body was found. Oh, um, apparently it has been foreclosed on and will be up for auction this month on February 26th. So, uh, just a heads up if you're in the area, I guess. Wow. Oof. Goose cam. I know. It's so weird. And again, it's like the same thing. It's like the ripples. Yeah. Cause they have to, it's a house now. It's an empty house. They have to, they're going to sell the house. Like also they're going to sell the house and people who are interested right now are going to be like, Oh, 60 days ago, someone was killed here and their testicles were taken off and eaten yeah so this is actually 60 days ago interestingly enough this is what uh the article was talking about basically the article was saying the house is up for sale and yes someone will buy it <laughs> and uh well first i'll read the property so the property records show that latunsky purchased the home for eighty thousand dollars in may 2001 and later that year he applied for a permit to build an eight by 20 foot living space in the basement <sighs> Uh, so he's been kind of into this for that entire time then that is a good point this was 2001 so for like 18 19 years oh my god you just gave me like the biggest creeps i hope they these are only these are the only ones that he's found since like social media dating came out 
Somebody do some more research. Holy they shit. They should check like emails and Reddit and shit. Like things that have been going on since before Tinder. Newspaper classifieds. I don't even know. Yeah, there's probably been a That's lot more scary. death. He's probably just lucky. He I don't only know. got caught on so many. I don't know, man. I, I don't know. know. He's been fantasizing something since 2001. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> but the last two, apparently it was just plain old BDSM and they wanted to be part of it. So, you know, maybe. Maybe, maybe it was just a sex dungeon. Maybe. And maybe he just got to a point where he went, he finally acted out what he had been, you know. Concocting. Concocting. Um, so who's to say? But we do know one thing that happened down there, and it was very tragic and very terrible. Um, Scott Myers, who's a realtor based in Genesee County, said, There's a buyer for every property. It will 100% sell. <laughs> I was like, okay. Okay. Um, also, apparently in, in Michigan, you are not required to disclose if someone has been killed uh, or has died in the property. And, uh, however, they said anyone who Googles this house, it's going to be just articles. So like, sure. You're, they're going to know. Like if you plan on moving into a house, just look, just look at the history first. Yeah. Cause you could be going to a place where it's not expected that they tell you. Yeah. I mean, and he was basically, yeah, that's a good point. And he was basically saying, you know, they're going to know everyone's going to know it's in the news. It's, this is a small, really tiny town. Like they know what happened. Um, Right, right, right. Grinder also, uh, for what it's worth, released tips for those using their service. So uh, I'm just going to read those. Uh, they said, always meet up in a public space. Let people know where you will be and with whom. And if something uncomfortable or strange happens, contact police. The company says, quote, give them all the facts. If you do not report this person, he in all likelihood will do it again to someone else. So be <sighs> safe out there, folks. Um, be safe out there. Yeah. <laughs> It's a scary world sometimes, and the fact that this is so recent is, like, really gut-wrenching. I mean, it's everything our parents warned us of. Yeah. Of, like, don't meet people online, and that's exactly what we do now. Uh, yeah, and, I mean, for 99.9% of the time, it's perfectly safe, and happy things happen, and we make friendships and relationships, but you never know. There's some creeps out there who will take advantage um, of, of you, yeah. so... Uh, I did want to add the sources I used were Heavy.com, Click on Detroit, WNEM, Channel 5 News, WILX, Channel 10 News, The Washington Post, USA Today, and Newsweek. And that is The Murder of Kevin Bacon. And thank you, Mags Bi- Microbiology, for the suggestion. Yeah, wow. Whew. Lots of stuff going on that there. That is a dark one. Yeah. And very recent. Uh, maybe there'll be an update on that one, too. I know, because uh, the trial hasn't happened yet, so I'm curious to see like what... Um, what happens? This is probably the most recent story I've ever covered, like, as of the release of the episode, you know? Yeah. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Whew. Let's, uh, let's hope we get some answers, and let's hope uh, this guy goes to jail, I guess, or gets uh, treated. In happy news, Gio just woke up from his nap. And went right back to sleep. <laughs> his tongue is still out of his mouth. But uh, he looked like that whole time you were telling the story, he was running with some great squirrels. Yeah, he was. At least he's having a good time. Thank you guys uh, for those of you uh, who want to see more, learn more, hear more. We have a website, and that's why we drink.com. Yes, we, we also do. have our Patreon, ATWD podcast. If you want to tell me which story to do, I'm now taking, we're taking uh, Patreon suggestions on Instagram, close friends. Yes. Um, also, we have a live tour going on right now, uh, and that's why you drink.com slash live. Uh, we have merch. Oh, yeah. ATWWDmerch.com. 
We have uh, a P.O. box if you want to send us uh, presents. You no, don't have no to. No human body parts, could. please. No human body parts. That is, uh, oh my God, I can't remember. 1920 Hillhurst Ave, number 265, Los Angeles, California, 90027. Yes. And also just email us, and that's where you drink at gmail.com. If you have any personal stories, any suggestions, any kind words, you can you can say mean things, but I'm really going to cry, so be be nice. <laughs> Yeah, don't be mean. Okay. Uh, and that's it. That's it, guys. And we, oh, sorry. We love you and come to our tour. And that's why we drink. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.